This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Rex Factor, where today we're not reviewing uh, the consorts of England or indeed reviewing anybody. Instead, we are marking the very sad passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, we are recording this on Monday the 12th of September 2022, and the Queen died last week on Thursday the 8th of September, so uh, still very recent. Yeah. Yeah, still very... Um... God blimey, you know, what a, mm. what a shock. Yeah. So uh, her funeral is taking place in a week's time, as we record, so uh, Monday the 19th. But what we wanted to do today was um, sort of reflect a bit on the Queen's uh, death, or life, I suppose. Um, and it's weird, because we're not a royal news-style podcast, but equally no. this is very much part of history, and the you know that story of the kings and queens of England that we've told is obviously the Queen is part of that. It would be very odd if in uh, 100 years... <laughs> someone by chance stumbled across this and thought oh, I wonder what they make it would be odd if they hadn't if we hadn't have talked about a coronation mm. possibly the only time it's ever relevant to our podcast yeah because Elizabeth II was the final monarch that we featured in our original series reviewing the kings and queens of England uh, some nine years ago 2013 that we reviewed Elizabeth II nine years blimey gosh yeah okay that's shocking Wow, and even then we were impressed at the longevity. Anyway, and Ali, how are you feeling about it all? Um, confused, I guess, is therefore a good response. And I guess because even though she's old, but and obviously 96 years old, she was a very old woman, but equally it did sort of feel like it came quite quickly in the end. I wish it was fabulous. You know, mm. I, it would be... She di- didn't... She couldn't stand the indignity of uh, being unwell. It seems, mm. yeah. <laughs> and oh, I don't know. For me, I know it's it. It, uh, it just whatever anyone's opinion on it, uh, it's never nice when someone dies, uh, who seemed like just a lovely old lady most of the time, <laughs> but sort of regardless of the politics of it all. And actually, especially because of that, mm. because she was such a constant. It never felt like, well, while she was there, at least... You know, I've said before about having, like, this maternal figure up there. Just mm. everything's can't just... Oh, don't worry. It's all steady, steady, steady. But she was in the war. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and it feels like now now she's gone, everything's up for grabs. Like, mm. this is the future now, being pushed out the nest or something. Yeah. It's all it's all so bloody re- real. Sorry, it's a swear word. <laughs> it's, I suppose it's just Peter Pan. Any death makes me just think, I don't want to grow up. 
even though obviously lots of people are dying all the time, but somehow whilst the Queen was still there and obviously Philip for a long time, it was almost like, well, maybe we will all live forever. I know that yeah. some people are dying, yeah. but the Queen's still yeah. there throughout, yeah. constantly, not really changing or not seeming to change, just carrying on, doing the business day in, day out. Yeah. And you just imagine that everything will, for all the change that there is going on, somehow everything will largely keep sort yeah. of the same. Exactly. And I I was I was re- really close to my um my grandmother and I always sort of when I was a kid just totally presumed uh that they were mates. Cuz oh, the, the queen the, and your the queen and my yeah. grandma, yeah. <laughs> but uh she also drove an ambulance in the war and uh I don't, they dressed the same. <laughs> short little old ladies about the same age and um so just yeah, i don't know it was really i was really blue anyway and it was the end of summer and just woke up all those feelings of yeah security disappearing and mm. ugh, real world yeah anyway we originally covered elizabeth ii in our first series in 2013 across three episodes uh two biography episodes and one to review her reign For today, I wanted to do a recap of that and then to provide an update for the near decade that's passed since then uh, and the major events of the Queen's life and reign. Uh, Particularly for you, as you've not been watching apparently any of the coverage. Honestly, I've completely blanked myself to it. The most major news story relevant to the uh, podcast (laughs) (laughs) since the rediscovery of Richard III. Um, So I thought I'd do a run-through of uh, what we did before. Condensed, Mm -hmm. obviously. um, And then cover that bit at the end and then uh, some stats some final stats Going. to be honest there you go that's i've got no need for all all of that stuff on the telly if this is you know knowing this was coming up ah, i just tell it to you i filter out a yeah. few of your false memories and then then i'm i'm back on an even keel <laughs> yeah i tell you what it's just to me like uh, when a new album comes along of a band that you like I, you might not be in that space yet i haven't fully approached um the latest radiohead album wasn't ready mm. i need some time then when i will i'll d- do a deep dive <laughs> but um it's too soon mm. go on then what have you got uh so elizabeth ii was born on the 21st of april 1926 the daughter of george the sixth and elizabeth bowes lyon uh, she was born during the reign of her grandfather george the fifth in the same year uh, as the general strike and the publication of winnie the pooh oh yeah which her, her uncle, the future Edward VIII, bought for her as a present. Oh, nice. So it's like the Gruffalo of our <laughs> Yes, of the 20s, up. yeah. Mm. Uh, she was named Elizabeth after her mother, Alexandra after her great-grandmother, who was the consort of Edward VII, uh, who died six months earlier, uh, and Mary after her grandmother, Mary of Tech, who was the consort to George V. Uh, she was also the last future heir for whose birth the Home Secretary, uh, who was then William Joynson Hicks, had to be in attendance. That's an excellent Rex fact. Did you say that last time? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will Good. not forget this. <laughs> Still, I, I, you get a double stamp. <laughs> uh, George V, who'd been such a disciplinar- uh, disciplinarian with his own children, delighted in Elizabeth, who was his first grandchild. So he called her Lilibet, because uh, that was how she pronounced her name mm. as a toddler, uh, while she called him Grandpa England. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when she was, uh, he was unwell in his final years, so he would go on a sort of convalescence to Bognor Regis. Apparently, her, the doctors would pretty much prescribe her presence as a tonic 
for him because it cheered oh, him up nice. so much. Nice. Uh, to have her around. Uh, she wasn't expected to be queen when she was born, so her father was the second son uh, of George V, so the younger brother of uh, Edward, and it was assumed that Edward would obviously go on to be king and one day have his own children, so it wasn't ever assumed that Elizabeth was likely to become mm. queen. Um, so as such, her childhood was largely out of the limelight, so she had a happy time with her parents uh, and younger sister Margaret. So we four, as George VI uh, used to describe them, the mm. family unit. Um, like her father, she was quite a shy and dutiful character, whereas her sister Margaret was rather more outgoing and cheeky. Mm. Uh, but their idol was broken in 1936 with the death of the first of George V and then the abdication of her uncle Edward VIII uh, when he mm. wanted to marry the American divorcee Wallace Simpson, um, which resulted in her father becoming King George VI, uh, which put an immense strain on him, and of course it made Elizabeth now next in line to the throne. Mm. Uh, and it all very much formed her sort of world view, the imp- importance of unwavering duty, uh, and quite a, an aversion to the idea of divorce. No sign of any boys then joining the two? Apparently not. I guess they may have been happy enough with two, and I think it took them a few years to have Elizabeth, and then it was a few more years for Margaret, so perhaps children didn't come easily. Mm. So just, because uh, even if a baby boy had been born, he'd have would have had a very young, mm. even longer even reigning. Longer, yeah, even yeah. longer. Uh, during the Second World War, there was talk of sending Elizabeth and Margaret uh, to Canada, but the king refused uh, to countenance this. They, le- they lived mostly at Windsor. Uh, Elizabeth, of course, comes of age during the war, and it saw her transition into a working royal. So in 1940, she made her first broadcast, uh, which was to the oh, children yeah. of the empire, sorry, the children of the British Empire who were having to go elsewhere, particularly going overseas for safety. Mm. Uh, in 1942, she was made Colonel of the Grenadier Guards, and in 1943, <laughs> on her 16th birthday, she did undertook her first solo engagement by inspecting them. Hang on, she was a colonel before she was 16? Yes. That's good going, isn't it? Mm. Must be very good. Uh, in 1945, she joined the army, training as a driver and mechanic in the Women's Auxiliary Territorial Service. Uh, so she passed her training, but the war ended before she had a chance to actually... Uh, uh, <clears throat> her skills. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Mm. Peace broke out. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it. Would, I mean, that would have been. I imagine if you've got the prospect of a gilded cage the rest of your life, mm. the opportunity that a disruption that war represents. You can see why people thought it was a great sum. People obviously mm. thought it was a great time. Well, yeah. So on VE Day, I said she joined her parents and uh, Winston Churchill, acknowledging the crowds. Uh, from the balcony of Buckingham Palace, but she was also allowed to go uh, with her sister sort of incognito into the crowds uh, over the next few nights to enjoy the revelry. Wow. Which was her sort of, I guess, her one moment out of the gilded cage, as you say. Mm. Uh, It was also during the war that she fell in love with the man who had become her husband, a consort, Prince Philip, uh, Mm. the grandson of the King of Greece, though he was forced to flee into exile in 19... Uh, 21, or rather his family were. Philip was uh, actually born on a dining room table mid-exiling. Oh, right. Mm. Uh, Philip, of course, grows up to a very tall, athletic, charming, very handsome young man. Um, And from Elizabeth's perspective, seems to have been the one pretty much from the off. Um, So they get engaged at Balmoral in 1947. Um, Married in November, late in the year, apparently because George VI basically insists on having one last royal tour for we four. Before, yeah. uh, before he loses Elizabeth to marriage. 
Um, Britain was in the midst of austerity uh, at the time of the royal wedding. Rationing was even stricter than it had been during the war, but nevertheless, wedding was greatly celebrated. Um, described by Churchill as a flash of colour on the hard road we have to travel. Yeah, we've well, got that to look forward to. Mm. Well, no, the coronation, I mean, yeah. not a wedding. <laughs> Uh, it was on that royal tour when she was in South Africa that Elizabeth made the speech that's been seen as very much as defining her life and queenship, where she pledged that her life, whether long or short, uh, would be devoted uh, to the service of her people. Mm. Uh, and the need to fulfil this pledge came uh, rather sooner than she would have expected because her father, uh, worn down by the stresses of the war and also a lifetime uh, smoking, which saw his entire left lung removed uh, due to cancer. When was um, that? Uh, so During the war? After the war. It's after the he war. Mm. Um, but his health was uh, increasingly bad, so Elizabeth stood in for him for a tour of Canada in 1951. And then in 1952, she was uh, heading to a tour on his behalf to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, but she only got as far as Kenya uh, when the news came through that her father, George VI, had died, during his sleep, had died in his sleep uh, on the night of the 6th of February 1952, making her queen just a couple of months before she turned 26. Gosh, it's a, a big job. Hmm. So her coronation in 1953 was a major event. Uh, in sort of folklore, I don't think it's true, that it's the event that prompted swathes of the population to actually purchase a, tele- a television for the very first time so that they could uh, watch it. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that before. Uh, there was a lot of opposition to it actually being televised, so the Archbishop of Canterbury thought it would turn the sacred into spectacle, while Churchill feared it would destroy the solemnity of the occasion. Uh, But Philip had been put in charge of organising the coronation, and he was insistent that this needed to happen, and they needed to modernise, so the Queen supported him. uh, Wasn't it done in 3D? Yes, there was, it was actually, there was a 3D recording of it. I mean, (laughs) it (laughs) my Yeah. (laughs) It comes and goes, but yeah, really. It's always That's a fad, but it's been there for longer than you imagine. Yeah. Uh, it's thought that something like 20 million people watched it, which would be over half the adult population in Britain, uh, with around 12 million listening to it on the radio. Mm. Uh, so they were a very glamorous couple in the 1950s. People were talking about the new Elizabethan age. Uh, Philip helped institute more modernising reforms, such as ending the debutantes uh, coming out season just where sort of 18-year-old aristocratic girls would be presented to the world for marriage. Oh, gosh. Uh, they also inaugurate lunches in the gardens of Buckingham Palace for distinguished uh, guests of all professions. Nice. Which became a major part of the reign. Um, I'd have loved to have gone to one of those, tea with the Queen. Particularly one of the early ones, where you imagine that they probably hadn't thought through how many they were going to end up doing, so it maybe yeah. was a bit more like... And uh, they start, she started doing uh, televised Christmas speeches from 1957. Uh, they also undertook a huge tour of the Commonwealth from 1953 to 1954, in which Elizabeth became the first reigning monarch to visit uh, Australia and New Zealand, as well as various other uh, countries in that area. Uh, something like three-quarters of Australians and two-thirds of uh, New Zealanders came to see her. Wow. Uh, but the glamour soon faded, uh, and the Queen's popularity came into question. Uh, So Britain's place in the world came into question after the Suez Crisis in 1957. Pop culture of the swinging 60s saw Elizabeth look rather more old-fashioned and out of touch, whereas her younger sister, Princess Margaret, felt somewhat more of the time. Mm. 
Uh, economic struggles and punk culture in the 70s saw widespread predictions of indifference uh, to the Queen's Silver Jubilee in 1977. But in the event, it was actually uh, a huge success. Widely celebrated street parties were held all across the country. A million people lined the mall to watch her carriage ride to St Paul's. Mm. Uh, she was also praised for her bravery at times. So um, in 1981, she was riding at the head of the sort of Trooping the Colour parade and uh, close range, somebody fired six shots at her. Uh, transpired to be blank bullets, uh, but obviously that wasn't known at the time, but she was praised for the way she just sort of kept her horse fairly steady and rode on without really making much fuss. She, uh, why were they blanks? I guess it was just for attention. Oh, right. And maybe it's I mean, easier to get this. hold of blanks, perhaps, than actual bullets. I've never heard of this. Huh. Yeah, you can watch it. There's a video of it. Uh, 1982, a disturbed man called Michael Fagan managed to just wander oh, yeah. into her bedroom in Buckingham Palace and spoke to her for a while until she was able to extricate herself, but again, apparently very calmly. Yeah, dealt with it by just having a chat with him. Yeah. Was sensible. Uh, the 80s started with plenty of optimism for the royal family, so the Queen's children were now coming to the fore. Uh, so the wedding of Prince Charles to Lady Diana Spencer in 1981 was a milestone event watched by some 750 million people worldwide. It's a big, big thing. It's like Live Aid. It's a great fairy tale wedding. Uh, their sons, William and Harry, were born in 1982 and 1984. Uh, the Queen's second son, Prince Andrew, flew helicopters in the Falklands War in 1982, and uh, his wedding to Sarah Ferguson in 1986 was another major public event. Uh, it, it never had the shine of the big one, though, did it? Not quite the same. No. Uh, but this was also the age of Great Depression intrusion and uh, family scandal. So it all came to something of a head in 1992, with Princess Anne divorcing her first husband, Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson announcing their separation, uh, and there was a major fire that caused extensive damage to Windsor Castle, uh, followed by a public outcry when the government suggested that the public would fit the bill for mm. the repairs, uh, which ended up resulting in the Queen paying income tax for the first time. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a bad year, as she called it. Indeed, uh, she described it as uh, her annus horribilis. Mm. Most damaging to the royal family was the breakdown in the relationship between uh, Princess Charles, between <laughs> Prince Charles and Princess Diana. Uh, their separation was announced by the Prime Minister John Major in December of 1992, uh, and then the fallout was regularly in the news thereafter. So Diana published a book in in that year as well. Charles admitted to having had an affair with Camilla Parker Bowles in 1994. Diana undertook a notorious interview with Martin Bashir on the BBC's Panorama in 1995. Uh, although that one has subsequently been uh, shown that he kind of got that interview through a certain amount of deception. Yeah, I remember watching that uh, with my grandmother in, in her sitting on the end of her bed for some reason. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the monarchy was at something of a low ebb, so the Queen re- reluctantly agreed to Charles and Diana divorcing uh, in 1996, mm. which, as you said, given everything that happened with her father and the abdication crisis, etc., took quite a lot for her to get to that point mm. um it didn't end the media frenzy of course uh, and it came to a tragic conclusion in 1997 when diana was killed in a car crash in paris uh, having been chased by the paparazzi uh, the huge outpouring of grief that followed took everyone by surprise uh, the prime minister tony blair famously described her in the aftermath as the people's princess which uh, very much captured the mood at the time whereas the queen uh, deliberately stayed out of the glare of the media uh, in balmoral uh, where she was wanting to give Diana's sons, William and Harry, time to grieve outside of the uh, the glare of the public lens. But 
there was this growing sense that she was very much out of touch with the public mood. People wanted to see her being the Queen, being present in London. Mm. Um, so it led to unprecedented criticism of the Queen, not just sort of amongst the general public, but actually in newspapers basically demanding her to be in London, wanting to know mm. what, why she wasn't there. So they did eventually return to London. Um, it's quite a tense moment when the cars originally coming to the palace and initially it's all very, very quiet. Mm. But then gradually an applause broke out and they went and met uh, lots of the crowd. Um, and then the Queen did a, an address to the nation later in the day where she praised Diana and that seemed to stem the tide of criticism and mood, move the public mood back uh, to being a bit more pro-Queen. God, that's so weird to have such a strong memory of that. And we're discussing it in a history podcast. Mm. Um, and at the funeral for Diana, the Queen bowed to the coffin, which is something that she would only ever previously do for uh, the Cenotaph on Remembrance Day. Oh, right. Mm. <laughs> uh, in the years after that, she suffered uh, more uh, big losses. Two of the closest members of her family, her younger sister, Princess Margaret, in 2001, and then the Queen Mother uh, at 101 in 2002. Mm. Mm. Uh, that was also the year of her Golden Jubilee. Uh, so as with the Silver Jubilee, there were widespread predictions of it being a washout and nobody being interested. But once again, uh, doubters were proved wrong. Um, widely celebrated, and it very much sort of set the tone for the rest of her reign in this sort of just general praise and people very much pro-Queen, mm. which never really let up for her, uh, particularly thereafter. Uh, mm. In 2011, she became the first British monarch to visit the Republic of Ireland. That's impressive. Visited sites of Irish nationalism and delivered a widely praised speech on the history of Anglo-Irish uh, relations. In twenty shaken it. And, uh, yeah, and then um, I think it was, was that the next year, I think as a result with of that. Martin McGuinness. Yeah, Martin McGuinness, Sinn Féin, she then shook hands with the following year because they had uh. refused to meet her for the visit. They'd been against it, but I think it went sufficiently well that they then agreed ah. it was time to i mean at that that i mean again on a on a human level <clears throat> not anything to do with the uh, politics of the whole thing but for her to do that when uh at mount batten mm. had been killed yes yeah that's it's, that's really sucking it up mm. yeah it felt like a big moment mm um, in 2012, she starred, as you were saying, in that James Bond video with Daniel Craig for the opening of the London Olympic Games, which she presided over. Uh, mm. And that year was also, of course, the year of her Diamond Jubilee, which was uh, mm. the one that you went to with the uh, the river pageant of some 670 boats in the Thames as the main event. But she said a bit of a, a literal washout and it was very wet. Well, which one was that then? The Diamond? Diamond. 60. Is that 10, is that 10 years ago? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the last 20 years have been good for her, apart from yeah. the last one. Yeah. But, yeah, last four, maybe. Three. Well, as I say, really, from that Golden Jubilee 2002, mm. it's felt like that's uh, yeah. those last 20 years have all, almost... It was funny when I was coming to do the recent years. I was like, oh, God, not actually that much happened, to be honest. It all just feels... And then they lived happy ever place. after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, she'd completed the level by 2000. Yeah. She'd, and they'd put her out to pasture and all as well. Hmm. So uh, as we ended, you know, I said the future is looking bright. Um, Charles and Camilla got married in 2005. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. Wow. So he'd been married to Camilla longer than... Yeah, Diana. a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, 
William, uh, the eldest son of uh, Charles and Diana, uh, married uh, Kate Middleton in 2011, and their eldest son, Prince George, was born in July of 2013, uh, which is the only time, other than the Victoria's reign, when there were three direct heirs alive at the same time as the reigning monarch, i.e. all of different generations. Mm. Mm. Yeah, amazing. So that was where we left it uh, in 2013. That was the point. It was just a few months after the birth of Prince George. Um... So what's happened after that? Well, as I say, in some ways, not a huge amount for a while. She continued to keep a pretty filled schedule, visits around the UK, uh, though her foreign visits were curtailed. So she didn't leave Europe again after a visit to Australia in 2011. Mm. And her last visit out of the country at all was to Malta in November 2015. Mm. Uh, And on both occasions, those were for Commonwealth Heads of Government meetings. Yeah. Uh, in 2017, she became the first British monarch to commemorate, to commemorate a sapphire jubilee, which is 65 years, mm-hmm. and also a platinum wedding anniversary, 70 years. Wow. She's uh, smashing records all over the place. She was. Um, there were no major celebrations for the sapphire jubilee, but I think no. that was just out of choice rather than disinterest, because we just do the tens rather than the fives. Yeah, it's like bringing World Cup every two years, no thanks. Yeah. Um, and her, her engagements are now a little lonelier because Prince Philip retired from official duties in August of 2017. Mm. Uh, but it's in a way the last few years have been some of the most dramatic of her reigns. The COVID-19 uh, mm. pandemic uh, that saw the country locked down in March 2020. Elizabeth moved to Windsor Castle and there was a strict sort of sanitary protocol which was called HMS Bubble to keep her safe. Really? Yeah. Huh. Clever. <laughs> Was that before everyone else was bubbling, presumably? That was a rehearsed thing? No, I think at the same time. I think that was what they... Mm. I mean, I guess it, in some ways, essentially the same as what everyone else is doing, but it's probably a bit stricter. I see, yeah. Uh, on April the 5th of 2020, she delivered an address to the nation, which was watched about 24 million people, which again seemed to capture the public mood very well. So it ended with her saying, Take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. That was a that was, uh, I could t- when that was broadcast, it was immediately oh yeah that's the that was I've been present at a moment, hmm. and I got the feeling a lot, that a lot of the politicians were looking for that yeah. moment <laughs> and didn't have it, and it was right. Boys, out the way. Here she is. Okay. Uh, she didn't delivered another address on the eighth of May to mark the seventy fifth anniversary of VE Day. E. Uh, made her first public engagement since COVID in uh, October of twenty twenty, and her first public appearance without a mask in November uh, of that year for a private pilgrimage to the tomb of the unknown warrior. Mm. Uh, sadly, the following year, still amidst. Uh, lockdown situation Prince Philip died on the 9th of April 2021 uh, a couple of months shy of his 100th birthday yeah um, and then uh, that made Elizabeth the first British monarch to reign as a widow since Victoria yeah took it better but that's another parallel isn't it they ever yeah. had there yeah um, but she said sort of personally to have described his death as leaving a huge void as you can imagine after mm. 70 years of marriage um, of course, famously, COVID restrictions at the time meant that um, it was a very sparsely attended funeral, so you would have imagined that as a grand state occasion. But it's very much yeah. pared down, and she herself sat on her own wearing a mask. 
mm-hmm. for the funeral, yeah. which again was something which evoked a lot of sort of admiration and sympathy. And yeah, she looked yeah. as lonely as uh, she probably felt. Mm. Well, after seventy years, well, you wouldn't know where one starts and the other begins. Stops and the other begins. Well, I've already taken your memories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you're my pod wife of 10 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. 11 years, whatever. 12. 12 years. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, the last major royal controversy of her reign uh, related to uh, her second son, Prince Andrew, with allegations of child sexual abuse, which saw him removed from his various public offices and uh, charitable roles, effectively being retired from public life. Mm-hmm. Uh, in February of this year, 2022, she became the first British monarch to reign for 70 years. Uh, but later that month, in February, she tested positive for uh, COVID. What? Mm. So uh, she had to cancel some of her virtual audiences, though she did still discuss with the Prime Minister the crisis that was uh, ultimately leading to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Wow. I did, I, that completely passed me by. Mm. She recovered to return to her duties, though her health was no longer as robust as it had been. So she was increasingly forced to cancel quite a lot of events really she was cancelling most of her events it felt like this year um so including missing the state opening of parliament for only the third time uh in her reign the previous two being when she was pregnant with andrew and later edward and this is all post-covid all post-covid all this year mm. um you do i mean you wonder the extent to which how much that took out of her yeah Although they said that she had quite mild symptoms but still it 96, it must be hard. And also, obviously, the mm-hmm. you know, Prince Philip dying as well. You imagine that. It definitely can't have helped. Uh, she did open the new Elizabeth line, named in her honour, in London. Oh, yeah. It's a new train line. Oh. Um, and she recorded a special video with Paddington Bear as part of the celebrations for her Platinum Jubilee. Yeah. Um, haven't seen that yeah. yet. Um, it's sweet. So she was there for the train opening? Yeah, she did go. It was a bit of a surprise, actually. I think people assumed that that would be another thing she cancelled, but no, she was there for the train one. Hmm, good. Good. Uh, on the 6th of September, she appointed her 15th Prime Minister, Liz Truss at Balmoral, which is the only time in her reign that she didn't receive a new Prime Minister at Buckingham Palace. Mm. See, Churchill was already Prime Minister. Um, and then it was just two days later, on the 8th of September, 2022, that she died... At Balmoral Castle, at the age of ninety-six. It is, uh, I mean, a class act. Hmm. There's no, um, there's no faulting her. Um, if you had to do that job, hmm. tick. You know, well done, job done. Uh, even, even her death. You know, like a glove. Well done. Now, when we reviewed her in 2013, we decided not to make her eligible for the Rex Factor on account of the fact that she was still the Queen and it was all too current to be objective. Uh, A lot of people have asked us whether we would amend that now that her reign is complete, but I'd say that it's still too recent for us to do that and doesn't feel entirely appropriate given that she's only just died. So that's not something that we are going to be doing uh, today. Likewise, we're not going to be doing a review episode of the new king, King Charles III, because again, a bit too soon. He's not had a chance to do much reigning thus far. Oh, a bit make for a short episode. <laughs> I mean, we might as well just live stream the news. 
Um, nor will we be changing the focus of our current series on the consorts, which will still be all the Queen and Prince consorts of England from Elswith to Prince Philip. However, we will need to make some adjustments to our original scoring when it comes to the Queen's longevity. She was Queen for 70 years, uh, the only, obviously, monarch in British history to do that. When we first reviewed her in 2013, she'd been Queen for just under 61 years, so she was the longest-lived British, uh, longest-lived monarch in British history. But in 2013, when we reviewed her, she had not reigned for as long as Queen Victoria. Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so since we did that episode, she has surpassed Victoria... Uh, which happened in mm. September of 2015, uh, meaning that she has had well in no, has uh, the longest reign in British history. Uh, and you were constantly going to have to change your the longevity score. I did have on a little spreadsheet for when we mm. have like our combined scores and stuff. I did have a little mm. calculating thing based on today's date and oh, well, <laughs> so that's that it nice. Keep going. Of course, sadly, now it, it's finished. Now it is a, it is a finished uh, number. Uh, is, but, did you do it? You set the end date when this had stopped calculating it, and it's... No. That's it. <laughs> no, no. I just copied and pasted the value without needing the formula anymore. That's a metaphor. Yes, that's, an ex- that's poignancy <laughs> in Excel mode. Um, so her longevity score when we did it before was 19.11. It is now, of course, 20 out of 20. Hmm. Uh, so her score within the English series uh, was 51.68. Though if you put her into our combined spreadsheet, which is English, Scottish... Uh, and half of the consorts, uh, then she has a score of 60. Where does that put her? Uh, that puts her across the three series in joint 31st place, level with Grandpa England, George V. Oh. I suppose he had a world war. I mean, I don't think we didn't score her particularly highly for scandal. Yeah. And I think it was only what, middling for battliness as well. But yeah, mm. battliness and scandal weren't really her one. So she wasn't one of those who was going to get an all-time high score because she doesn't score highly in every factor. Mm. Mm. But it's not about the it's score. About it's the about, score. about certain something. <laughs> uh, now, her longevity record-breaking continued in the last decade of her reign. So she became the oldest living monarch in 2015 after the death of King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia and the longest-serving and still-ruling head of state in 2016, following the death of King uh, Bumabol Adelaidej of Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. Mm. Uh, in 2019, she became the longest-reigning woman in history, surpassing Eleanor of Aquitaine's near 67 years ruling Aquitaine. Hmm. Good work. Uh, a few months ago, she overtook King, King uh, Bumabol Adelaidej of uh, Thailand really? to become the second-longest-reigning monarch in history. Oh, yeah. I knew it was second. Well, who's first then? Well, so she fell just short in the end of becoming the longest reign of all time. So that remains Louis the Fourteenth of France. Ah, oh, so Elizabeth the Sun King. <laughs> Elizabeth ruled for seventy years and two hundred and fourteen days. Louis the Fourteenth, uh, seventy-two years and one hundred and ten days. So I think probably many of us would have expected she would have. It felt like she was so healthy that she was probably going to be. It's Serena Williams. Margaret Court, isn't it? Yeah, it feels like she deserves it, and yet uh, not uh, not quite. So, having listened back to the Queen's life and reign, and hearing some of those stats, uh, how are you feeling about it all? Any more thoughts? I'm not upset by it. It's, uh, yeah, I suppose I am. It's just... Uh, Melancholy. Yeah. Come on. Uh, ten years ago, 2012, she was jumping out of a helicopter, for goodness <laughs> sake. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand it. 
Well, um, I mean, only, only two days earlier, she was appointing a new prime minister. Yeah, yeah. The generation-defining def- uh, moments of COVID. Yeah. The same person who was there in stayed in, in in London during the Blitz was sort of rallying them again. Uh, what an incredible bridge. Yeah. And that's it. It's the disappearance of the Second World War bit for me, and I know how how obsessed I am with it. And it's like another link to that gone. And but it's true, though, isn't it? Particularly for the Queen, there is a sense of, you know, there aren't that many, you know, relatively speaking from that generation now. It's, I think we've talked before, isn't it? Like how the, when we were younger, the First World War generation was dying right, off. Second, it. Yeah. But it now it feels weird that that's happening with the Second World War. And, the, mm. you know, say the Queen was representative on that. You know, she was on that balcony with mm. George VI, the Queen Mother, with Winston mm. Churchill and her mm. sister Margaret. You know, she was there. She was that link. Yeah. So it does feel like yeah. a, an era. Her era, but also the era that went before as well. Also, most people, even those in power, never knew her as anything other than the Queen. Mm. And it's weird to have someone who's in ultimate charge, you know, legally, yeah. uh, that you know all of the tabloid flaws of and <laughs> you you have an opinion of that isn't set in stone from birth. That There's this nice old lady who just doesn't get involved, but, <laughs> you know, that's it. Uh so it becomes a bit more, like, grotty and real. Mm. The poignancy of the moment for me was slightly lost, because when the... Because I've been following, the obviously, the news through the day, um, but then when the BBC News alert came through, literally just as I looked at it and saw it, um, my son, Alex, was walking around with a sheet over his head pretending to be a ghost. Not connected, you know, wasn't it? It wasn't <laughs> in bad taste. Um, and accidentally smashed me in the face with my partner's phone. Oh no! Which I was Break quite. It. Oh no no no! What my face or the? <laughs> well, I've got experience of both. Tell me which one broke. <laughs> no, neither broke. But yeah. I was a bit cross. But I, in, on reflection afterwards, I thought oh, it probably was an accident because he couldn't see anything, so you didn't really yeah. know where I was. But it was just yeah. literally just at that moment. That's uh, that's. Oh. I I was um having <clears> a sort of idiotic eureka moment. I was driving through the country lanes, and. Radio 4 was on uh, saying that the the children had gone to their the bedside. I thought, that's, um, that's, that's really bad, isn't it? Mm. This, the, the, she might already, and then as I was sort of, the penny was dropping, mm. then the news clanged through uh, and sort of hastily, the BBC then sort of hastily deployed Operation, what you know, push Hugh the Ed- big red button or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> Operation Hugh Edwards. Vroomf, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where's Hugh? Um, and they were playing the. Then, as I pulled in outside home, they were uh, uh, they were playing. <laughs> sounds like a uh, scene from EastEnders or something. They were playing the national anthem, mm. so that it was still playing when I opened the van door. Mm. Uh, and some of the Jubilee bunting came fluttering down <laughs> past me. Beck opened the door, heard, uh, heard the uh, national anthem, put two and two together and burst into tears. <laughs> so I was like, and then Bonnie turned around and said, Mummy's sad because of a life. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. Did you ever have uh, any close encounters uh, with the Queen or 
meet her or see her? Uh, I think Chelmsford. Yeah, do you remember she came to Chelmsford not that long ago? I do. And she drove past. Mm. So I mean, I had cl- I had a close encounter as as one does as a pedestrian to literally thousands of people every day driving past. <laughs> so not really. When I was in the choir, I was very ill with the measles. Is that right? Yeah, measles. When I first joined, and they the rest of the choristers sang for the Queen. Oh, nice. Uh, but I didn't. Did for Princess Anne? Uh-huh. No, which, hang on, which one do I mean? No, Margaret, her sister. Yeah. That's it. So no, only did, no. You Did you see her when she came to Chelmsford? Well, I was going to say that was my one close encounter, but I don't remember It was on uh, you being there. <laughs> what's the one that I always think is called the Wheat Sheaf? The, by the police station? Yeah. Well, what yeah, was yeah. the police? That is the Wheat Sheaf. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, that makes sense. That road, mm. the car procession went down that road and then turned off right down to Riverside. <laughs> is that where you were as well? Well, I was slightly further up from there. Huh. But we didn't message that. Like, this was 2014. So, I mean, it was obviously it was when we were doing Rackside. In fact, it was the year after we'd uh, reviewed her. Did, am I... Am I am Are I you just remembering, remembering your memory? memory? That's what I was going to say. Because <laughs> I wrote a blog about it. I'd have to ask Becca. <laughs> I'd be surprised if we were both there and Did we had Did you send me photos? Yeah, yeah. That would have been very, very I, th- I think you're remembering my story about when I saw the Queen Cup <laughs> What what year was it? Twenty fourteen. I think I wasn't. In, I think I was in. Um, I think I was in New Zealand, wasn't I? <laughs> in twenty fourteen, possibly. Yeah, but you weren't in Chelmsford then, weren't you? Did you no, either way, point? I was. You I, weren't in. in yeah, La- you weren't in Chelmsford. Was in it was London. London or New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, I think this is my memory. You know, I think you might be right. <laughs> so my experience, which may well be your experience that you've recalled from my telling you about it some years ago uh was that they came to visit Chelmsford's like for the 100th anniversary of the diocese so the royal car was coming quite close to where i was working but i was looking at the live site for the local news paper online to figure out where she was because i did obviously i was committed i wanted to see it but i didn't want to stand out for a certain amount of time no but you hacked the mainframe got the blueprints of the um route and um slowed the lights and you were there yeah Stroke went on to Essex Live and waited for updates. <laughs> and it turned out that the Essex Live live updates were not quite as live as you needed them to be. So when I went out thinking, oh, I think she might be near now, everyone was starting to walk away in that manner that you don't when the Queen's about to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> in exactly the opposite way. Yes. So, so I oh, thought, dear. oh, no, I've missed it. But then she was going to the cathedral. Um, so I thought, okay, well, I'll catch her on the way out. Mm-hmm. So I came out for lunch, thought I maybe missed her again, and everyone was kind of waiting near the top bit. But I saw the direction. I could see the like the royal car and stuff, and they were all facing going the other way. So I thought, well, she's not coming this way. So put my thinking cap on, mm-hmm. ran down, went sort of through some of those back routes. Your royal thinking cap and my royal, royal running cap. leggings. Uh, so I then managed to come out a little bit further down the road, not as far as the wheat sheaf, um, a little bit past the cosmetic surgery place. <laughs> Uh, and sort of opposite the royal courts of uh, the uh, yeah yeah that's where I was <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. I don't know how you missed me quite. <laughs> this is your memory isn't it yeah 
So I was there and I thought, oh, this is good because I was fairly near the front and everyone in front of me was a lot shorter than me. So I thought, I'm going to get a good view of this. I'll have my camera, I'll hold it above my head and I'll get a good picture as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so they came past, did see them in the car and then looked at my photo and uh, I had a perfect focus of somebody who shoved their hands right up in front of me to take their own photo above their head. So no. I got Blurred Queen Blurred and Prince Queen. Philip. Very good focus on the back of this person's hand. Or a purple car. Mm. Yeah, that's 100% my memory. <laughs> so, well, that's nice. You obviously described it to me in such detail. I've just yeah, absorbed just it, so I'll have that one. Yours, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> Hard enough remembering my own things. This is a good story. I'll just keep that one. <laughs> I'll just it, back. <laughs> uh, it was more interesting than the day I had. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll do nicely. Um <laughs> Uh, Didn't you unless, go to one of, of the Jubilees? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, so I saw her going off down the Thames, floating down the river, and looked mm. not too pleased about it. It was raining, wasn't it? Yeah, she was eighty six in the rain, being made <laughs> yes. to stand on the deck. I mean, really, <laughs> I definitely was at that one. I've got a picture of me at that. <laughs> Doubting everything there. Yeah. Well, something I've reflected on over the last few days was that, um, and some what we were talking about a little bit earlier about how sort of you know strange it feels and that sense that you kind of weirdly didn't imagine it would ever come, and it did remind me of our first uh, series, but not of Elizabeth's episode, but of uh, Queen Victoria, because that's oh, a scenario. Don't I mean, bring I know, me down, G man. I, I know you want more Victoria. Uh, we got some Dunstan talk later as well, obviously. <laughs> no, but you know we've got this weird scenario where we have a queen that's been there for decades and decades and now is gone. Not many people can remember not being there. We're facing the prospect of a king again, which no one can remember. And it's very similar to that that Victorians faced when Victoria died in 1901. She'd ruled from 1837 to 1901, 63 years, which at the time was the longest reign uh, in British history. Most people alive at the time couldn't remember a time before she was queen. Something has been noted in recent days. You were talking about how she's abridged this different era, and it's been pointed out that Elizabeth II's first Prime Minister, um, Winston Churchill, which is amazing in itself, mm-hmm. really, uh, he was born in 1874, so he was a Victorian. Mm, my word. Elizabeth II's last Prime Minister, Liz Truss, that she appointed just two days before she died, Liz Truss was born in 1975. So over a hundred years after Churchill was born. Ah, oh, imagine the the massive shift in cultural opinion that the difference between the well, hang on, it's going to say between the first and the last, but <laughs> but um, attitudes changing so much in that time mm. from a from a a Victorian to a well, I mean. What generation would Liz Truss be? X? Yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose you'd say new Elizabethan. A new Elizabethan, yeah. Mm. yeah. But the Kaiser made this point, really, about Queen Victoria. Um, so he was her eldest grandchild, as well as being Kaiser Wilhelm. Um, and he observed, just think of it, she remembers George III, and now we're in the 20th century. Mm. Yeah, that, so it's the same feelings. Whilst the lives of her children has... Uh, not always been without blemish. Elizabeth II's personal probity has never really been seriously questioned. And while we've got those rumours about Victoria and the relationship with John Brown, she's otherwise been 
or otherwise was the embodiment of Victorian middle-class family values. The Times noted the importance of Victoria's character, saying her own life was one of almost austere simplicity and homeliness. Her court has been unsullied by the vices which had come to be regarded as the inseparable concomitants of courts. Her whole life, public and private, has been a great and abiding lesson upon the paramount importance of character. Could be like a horoscope where you read the same one out. (laughs) And it affects both people. Uh, And it's hard to imagine life without them. So the Times again on Victoria. For nearly 64 years, she has watched at first with conscientious diffidence, later with ever-maturing experience, but always with a sympathetic insight of a sensitive, let finely balanced nature over every development of national policy and destiny. Mm. So that thing you were saying, like she's been there all the way through. She's been that constant. Yeah. Uh, and the Daily Telegraph said, "Who can think of the nation and the race without her? How can our minds enco- uh, how can our minds compass the meaning of what has happened? The golden reign is closed. The supreme woman of the world, best of the highest, greatest of the good, is gone. Never, never lost like this. All that we have known is different now. All is altered." Yeah, everything's up for grabs now. Mm. You know, security blanket's gone. <laughs> And Feels, as you, as you yeah. said as well, they're both uh, both handing over the throne uh, to their sons. So after a long period of uh, having a queen, we then moved to a king. Uh, Charles has had the longest wait of any Prince of Wales to be king, and the previous longest was obviously uh, Victoria's son, uh, who became Edward VII. Um, neither prince were without controversy, uh, and Victorians mm-hmm. worried whether Edward VII would be able to live up to his mother's example and that same level of probity, etc. Um, and uh, the writer Thomas Hardy noted how strange, awkward, and unreal it was now to sing "God Save the King." Mm. Yeah. Um, so, as we said at the start, we're recording this on Monday, the twelfth of September. Um, the plans for what happens next uh, for Elizabeth II were recorded under the code name of Operation London. Oh, that's a film. So it's been in the pipeline for ages, what would happen, what they do when she dies. Yeah. Um, except that she died in Balmoral in Scotland, and there was actually a slightly altered plan for what to do if she dies in Scotland, which was under the code name of Operation Unicorn. Unicorn, I see. Because nice. Unicorn is the national animal Scotland, of Scotland. Yeah, yes. obviously. Um, I, yeah. What was the first one? Operation? London. <clears throat> Yeah, that is a quality. Well, London, I imagine London Bridge, London Bridge, rather. It was London Bridge, wasn't it? I imagine page one of the uh, hand-typed dossier read, <clears throat> inform the local constabulary and get out your pager. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of what happens from Scotland, um, so earlier today, recordings on uh, Monday the 12th, the Queen was brought to Edinburgh. Uh, King Charles escorted her coffin from uh, Holyrood House to St. Giles Cathedral, going along the Royal Mile. So she's lying in state uh, at St Giles in Edinburgh um, so she's in Edinburgh at the moment and while we record um, she'll be lying there with Scottish Royal Standard over the top and the Crown of Scotland mm. uh, now the original plan in Operation Unicorn was that the Queen would be brought back, would be brought back to London in the Royal Train mm-hmm. with the expectation that you probably have crowds forming all along the way at the major stations and all the bridges and all that sort of stuff mm. uh, but they've scrapped that plan um, basically, got rid of the train? Uh, no, it's it's basically because um, they're expecting so many people are going to want to pay their respects and see her in Westminster when she lies in state in London 
that they just needed to maximise the amount of time available to do that before the funeral. Mm. So instead, she's flying back to London uh, on Tuesday night, uh, initially at Buckingham Palace, and then she'll be taken to Westminster Hall uh, on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, and then for the next four days, people will be able to go in and walk past. <laughs> that The Scots had it right, though, with the Royal Mile business. Why lie here in state? They should just say, this is the route, and we'll do it every day at lunchtime or whatever. <laughs> every day. And drive. Pop around, yeah. Yeah, but you see more people than see it. Mm. Um, anyway, so on uh, Sunday night in the UK at uh, 8 o'clock p.m., there'll be a one-minute silence. And then on the morning of Monday, the 19th of September, she'll be taken in procession to Westminster Abbey for a state funeral uh, and then to Windsor, where she'll be buried. Uh, and then that will be that. The Queen will be laid to rest and we will well and truly be in a new Carolean age with the reign of mm. King Charles III and his Queen Consort, Camilla. Mm. Uh, lots of admin to do for various institutions. Oh. Uh, the Royal Cipher, uh, the E2R, is all over the place on government buildings, oh, yeah. uniforms like police helmets, things like that you might not even think of. It just, it just seems just the default badge, but actually it's all yeah. got to change because the E's need to That's it, though. When, when, just when they need a new one, get it done, but they don't need to go round. Well, for some things, so post boxes, apparently they only change those when they yeah. change it's too them. wasteful. So they don't yeah. take them all out or change the badges, but... I think other things, let's say, like uniforms and state papers and all that sort of stuff, they've got to change it all. Uh, the top <sighs> top lawyers um, are known as QC because that's Queen's yeah. Council, so they've now all got to become KC. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, a, it's a bit of a... I tell you what, what I like is I, I know that it's going to be a great community of people out there somewhere who... We'll know exactly where and when the first new Charles post box will be. <laughs> and they'll be there. Yeah. And I have to say, if I passed it, I'd be well chuffed. Coinage as well and the banknotes will all change. Probably for the rest of the year, they'll still be issuing ones with Elizabeth on um, mm. because they need to do the portrait that will be used on the yeah. notes and also the one that will be used uh, on the coins. But then gradually, Charles will be introduced. And it's the first time... Most people have will have two uh, monarchs on going round in, the, in circulation currency, yeah, in circulation. According to tradition, Charles will on the coins will face in the opposite direction to Elizabeth because apparently they always meant to alternate the direction they face. In. Is that just a thing? With no reason why. Yeah, just a thing. No. Uh, and of course, we were talking earlier the national anthem already that changes mm. whenever that is sung. Now it should be "God Save the King," not "God Save the Queen." Mm. It would just be, yeah, it'd just be jarring, wouldn't it? It'll be these little things that you. Well, it was one of the first, um, like news alerts when it said about how the the Queen had died, and then it said the King and the Queen mm. Consort will be coming to London to do this and that, or like doing. It was almost like oh, it's too soon. You can't say yeah, yeah. the King yet. It's no cold in the ground. Yeah, yeah, you are lording it up. But it happens immediately. <laughs> Kinging. Kinging it out, mm. yeah. But it happens immediately. So as soon as one monarch died, the next one uh, exceeds. Yeah. Um, so Charles is the longest-serving Prince of Wales in history and the oldest person to accede to the British throne, overtaking William IV, who was 64 when he became king in 1830. Mm -hmm. Sophia of Hanover was 83 when she died as heir to the British throne, and she died just a couple of months before Queen Anne, so narrowly missed out on being the oldest wow. person. Wow. Who was that? 
Uh, so she was the mother of George the First. Uh, so by the time of the Queen's funeral, Charles the Third will have been king for eleven days. Mm. He'll need another thirty to ensure that he doesn't have the shortest reign in English history. Uh, Sven Forbeard has that on because oh. he died in February ten fourteen, forty days after conquering England. Yeah, he would. That would. I mean, the bureaucracy would just blow up if that happened. Mm. Too much. Yeah. Stick with the old Queen ones. They've got loads of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, we'll just have to wait and see what kind of king he will will be. As Prince of Wales, he was noted for his environmental campaigning and charitable work for things like the Prince's Trust, but also controversial as a more interventionist figure whose opinions on various matters were known in a way which... Mm. For the Queen wasn't. Um, he's pledged that this is something that will end on his accession. That he'll follow the mould of Elizabeth II as one who doesn't interfere. Uh, but we don't quite know. Will he struggle to continue her popularity? Will he be popular in his own ways and maybe a slightly more eloquent and cultured figure? Mm. Have to wait and see. To the next exciting episode <laughs> of Rex Factor. Uh, but for the final time. For uh, our Queen, Elizabeth II, that is it. We now have a King, the Queen. Although I'm, I'm interesting how long it will be before people actually do start calling her, I think, Camilla, the Queen. Because at the moment, everyone's just saying the Queen Consort. Yeah. Which is understandable, given that really the news is all about the Queen and her funeral, etc. Yeah. But I wonder yeah, how... that would be a confusing headline otherwise. But I wonder how long it will take after the funeral. How long will it be before people say the Queen and you can assume that they mean Camilla rather than Elizabeth? Yeah, I wonder if it'll even happen at all. Mm. She'll always just be... Yeah, yeah, it will happen at some point, won't it? <laughs> hmm. Well, for us, um, that is it for Elizabeth II. Um, we will be back to our normal service soon. Um, so our next episode will be uh, our interview with Nicola Tallis on Margaret Beaufort. Uh, but that was actually due to come out last Friday, but mm. um, decided to pull that. Not because it was in any way inappropriate, but just it just felt like it would get lost. And I felt it, like you were saying, it would feel a bit weird if we released a podcast yeah. the day after the Queen died that had absolutely no reference to yeah to that fact. Yeah, that was very odd. So, yeah, so we've paused all of that. So that will come out... Um, on the Friday, basically, after the funeral uh, next week. Then we've got a special episode coming out in the Great Five London, a Messages and Previews episode, and then uh, we will be starting The Six Wives of Henry VIII with Catherine of Aragon. Until then, thank you for listening. Cheerio.